One, two, three. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. How are you? I'm pretty good. We're coming to you through Zoom. Zoom today. Someone actually messaged and said, I hope you guys can be reunited together again this week's episode. That'll be next week. Reunited and it feels so good. Remember that that song? Reunited and it's understood. I don't know the rest of it. But I'll sing it anyway. I think I went into a different song, but Reunited and It Feels So Good is a great smooth track. I'm going to look it up. You know that every week when I watch Spicks and Specs, I look at the TV and I just think, how does she retain it all? Peaches and Herb. Oh, how good amazing. is that? <laughs> Peaches and Herb. I mean, you don't get names like that either, do you, except for Peaches? No. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days when the duet was king and queen. Oh, I love it. Love it. So well, we're going to be within each other's company reunited again next week. But this week um, we are close but far. But with you, the Bang Fam, to wrap the week in music, art, life and stuff and a bit of a, a Jonah and the Whale biblical story, um, Michael Terrified. Packard. Did you <laughs> I just There was a few things this week that I just looked at the internet and burst out laughing and, frankly, I kind of needed it. Yeah. Michael Packard, who is a lobster diver in Massachusetts, spent about 45 seconds inside a humpback whale's mouth before he was spat out. <laughs> this is, I can't, I just, I can't even read it. Like it, it gives me the, because uh, I don't know about you, but like the idea of what's going on underwater is amazing, but I'd prefer it just stayed there and dealt with its own business. I don't really want to get in that world. And the idea of this, he would have been scuba diving, getting his abalone or whatever it is, or his lobsters. Lobsters, Which, yeah. by the way, crayfish are apparently becoming bolder because of the amount of antidepressants in water. So what? So think about it. If you're going to get eaten by a whale, you also may or may not get a cuddle from a creepy lobster. <laughs> I'm not happy about that. Go underwater, get yourself a cuddle puddle. Cuddle Love puddle it. with Literally a Literally a cuddle puddle. I know. So that's, that's some good news for you. Yeah, but this guy ended up somehow, apparently, allegedly, I'm saying allegedly, but I think he did. I'd, I'd like to believe that there's, you know, that this is true. He ended up in the mouth of a whale and he said he couldn't feel anything because he had the, the skin suit on. But the he dry could feel, suit, yeah. He could feel the contractions of the whale's mouth. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm All sorry. Right. I think the quote. I think the quote was that he could feel the muscles of its mouth convulsing Ugh. around him. Ugh. I can't. You know when you you know when you hear someone with really bad mouth sounds. That's what I imagine a, a way would have really bad mouth sounds. Just like you get the sounds of it masticating. Oh, but don't. the the reason that we know all of this is because even better, he did a Reddit AMA. So people asked him anything with the son, help of his son Jacob. He basically answered a whole bunch of questions from his hospital to, bed. The wild people on Reddit. And it seems like this guy, Michael Packard, has lived a life less ordinary because when he was asked what was the craziest thing to ever happen to him, being swallowed by a whale is just one part of his story. He apparently survived a plane crash in Costa Rica by getting flung out of a plane before it hit the ground. And his second craziest diving story 
was when he found a corpse while he was lobster diving as well of a missing person. So this guy, he gets around, Michael. <laughs> he gets around. Um, I don't... Just between you and me, if I ever met him, I would run a mile because something bad is going to happen. <laughs> That's what someone on Reddit said. No offence, but I don't think we should ever hang out. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. It's just that whole story is just a no. I love whales. You're beautiful. They, they, they warm my heart. They're amazing. But no, I don't. <laughs> don't want to get in their belly. The other nah. thing that I shrieked with laughter about this week when I opened up my phone was seeing that... The Westminster Dog Show has crowned another winner and it's a huge congratulations to Wasabi the Pekingese. Oh, <laughs> Did you wasabi. see Wasabi? Oh, wasabi my God. amazing. Um, wasabi Pekingese, if you can imagine it, they're the ones with the straight hair but they've only got tiny little corgi legs so it's just kind of hair straight down to the ground. Someone said they look like grug. Um <laughs> And I think that's a that's a beautiful description of what wasabi looks like. Totally and, look like Grug. Uh, very sad news for fans of the Westminster Dog Show is that they couldn't have a, a big uh, show in an auditorium as they normally would, very serious mm. business. They had to do it all COVID safe. But, my goodness, it brought out the kooks, didn't it, for not only just the best in show but just dog lovers everywhere. And quite frankly, Zan, I feel like I saw my future. <laughs> Amongst some of the people that were attending, their enthusiasm, their love, their pure joy, and their love of a business suit with a flat shoe <laughs> so they can trot around with their dogs <laughs> in the show arena. I was like, fuck, that's me. That's These like people five are my years people. from now. This is five years from now. This is me. You've got to listen to this. Did you see this video that I sent along to you? Oh, it's so good. I just... I mean, just listen, these are real people, real people, real stories. They're just listen me. to this. They're me. <laughs> so this is uh, Natty and Tilly Pugdashian, and uh, they're known for their fashion on Instagram and worldwide. People know them for the big fashion statements they make. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am. This is amazing. All this is a dream. Everything about here is a dream, and it came true, and I'm blessed. Yes! So they're the actual dog owners frothing at the Westminster Dog Show. Watch, watching that, I just wanted to watch Best in Show again, that amazing, you know, the mockumentary from I think it was 2000, Christopher yeah. Guest film, Eugene Levy, you know, Catherine O'Hara, Parker Posey, Jennifer Coolidge, amazing, pretty much the Westminster Dog Show but mockumentary. But you watch that video that was in the news this week from the actual dog show and it's very hard to tell the difference it's... between what is real and what is mockumentary. <laughs> it's so true. Very hard. It's so true. And, look, it's a safe place for someone like me. It's just clearly middle-aged women and the occasional gay man and that's it. And, I, it's, <laughs> you know, stuff these men's club, men-only clubs that we're going to discuss a little bit later, we we already have dog shows. So I'm going to – I can't wait to to join the fold. I'm so excited. I'm, trot, trot, I'm trotting, though, trot trotting with my ample bosom around a <laughs> – around a, a, a green course holding up the dog's tail. I always find that really odd. Um, and, and, you know, just being really into it in a, in a power suit with shoulder pads and flat shoes. I cannot wait for this. I'm Like it's actually spurred me on, Zan. You've Can lost you see me. a future for Viv though? Can you see a future for Viv doing this? I mean, well, how's her she, training going? Well, she's, uh, she's, she got kicked out of doggy daycare, Zan. <laughs> I didn't think this was possible, but my local doggy daycare, and I'm not going to name them because they they shamed me and said, we don't think she can come back anymore because she's too vocal. 
I know, it's, it's devastating. It's like saying that your kid's like getting kicked out of school or something. <laughs> That's literally talks too much in class. Talks too much in class. So, And I did take it to a special training course for um, high drive breeds, which just means all the wild dogs. And <laughs> she was terrible. <laughs> she was so terrible. But I still, we've got to have a dream. COVID, if anything COVID's taught us, it's good to have a dream. That's mine. Love it. Glass half full. <laughs> Uh, did you see the other news this week that Batman apparently doesn't go down on Catwoman, according to DC Comics? This was a revelation. Well, I, I didn't understand it. I was like, I, I was looking at the headline going, <laughs> he's, is that because he's got his undies on the outside of his suit and he has to take two layers off? Because it is hard. Like when we're wearing a jumpsuit, even just getting a zip down is, is difficult because you have to take the whole thing off. And I'm thinking, is that why? But then I'm looking at his mask and I'm like, that's built for it. Of course he does. He can. <laughs> There's a space there. And someone online said um, there's a reason why Batman's got horns, something to grab onto. <laughs> so, you know, the visuals are that, that that he can. So why can't he? I don't I, – I purely don't get I, – I genuinely don't get this. Well, the, it came about because the there's a HBO Max adult animated series on Batman and the creators of that wanted to have a scene where, yes, Batman goes down on Catwoman. But DC, who own, you know, the image, they own the rights, said, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Heroes don't do that. And they said, <laughs> well, are you saying that heroes are selfish lovers, which is a valid question? And DC were like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. I would argue that of all the superhero <laughs> franchises, Batman has clearly explored some of the darkest realms through all the films and that a little bit of cunnilingus isn't going to throw people <laughs> off the scent of buying a freaking toy. I'm sorry. We're not so snowflakes, DC. Ridiculous. Oh, I hear you, I hear you, but there's a lot of incels that probably love Batman and they hate women, so, you know, <laughs> they're looking at their potential future marketing there. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think – and also, who buys Batman toys? Are we talking adults here, adult men? And if so, they should be fine with this. Surely. Speaking of hating women, did you hear the other story about the Australia <laughs> Club this week? <laughs> what a week, Sam. We thought we had no news this week and we've actually Thank you got, for handing me that perfect segue. We've actually got so much news this week and, and this one, look, no, it comes as no surprise to anyone, uh, the Australia Club. Australia Club. Now, what is the Australia Club? For people who don't know, because I've walked past this place, I've clearly never been in, but it's in the kind of top end of town mm. on Macquarie Street in Sydney as you go towards the harbour. It's very old school. It's it's like a private club, right? What does that mean? Private club for men, but this is the upper echelons of Australian society, the men who hold the most prominent and uh, I guess the most powerful positions of power in the country. We are talking ex-prime ministers and perhaps current, who knows. Um, we are talking uh, uh, legal, people in the legal fields, 
anything, big business, anything. It's it's captains it's, of industry. Yeah, that's that's a better term, isn't it? Than me trying to explain who they are. And this club has been running since forever, and it's a place where men get to hang out and be men. And uh, the the question came up just recently: if women should be able to join, given the world has changed, we are fifty one percent of the population. We do have the right to vote, and if it is a, a place where power brokers converse over lunch and and make decisions, perhaps about policy here in Australia, then perhaps it should be open to women. But an overwhelming 75% of the men said no. (laughs) No ladies. The reasons that they um, responded to this decision with was that um, apparently uh, they were talking about how they would need less masculine decor, the taps changing. Um, Men might might have to behave differently at lunches and someone said the wives rather like them going away to a men's club knowing there won't be other women there. What? Oh, because of Cousins, course women, a- can't, we, can't, we cannot be anything but jealous of other women. There's only room for one of a Smith. <laughs> um, Jeff Cousins, who's a businessman who actually quit uh, after they made their decision to make it exclusively male, shared this information. And, and it was also interesting to see Daisy... Turnbull, who is the daughter of Malcolm Turnbull, who is a member, and she was pointing out that, you know, what she has an issue with is that there is, as you say, so much power tied up in that organisation and they've made an active and very clear choice to exclude women from that power. Such clubs would have a decreasing relevance if you can only network with 50% of your colleagues, like you said, less than 50%. Women are the the dominant species Um, and that that old boys network is not as useful as it used to be nor should it be. It's a really like there's a lot of talk about this obviously this week and there's a lot of opinions from um, men and from women as well and I think that that kind of argument that I saw flying around that there are women-only clubs Um, and so this is no different, that just doesn't fly with me because we still live, whether we like it or not, and clearly we don't like it, if you've listened to Bang On for more than five minutes, we live in a patriarchal society still. So by default, the world is still a men's club. And when you're operating in these elite circles, when you've got business executives, heads of companies, um, and to actively, like you say, exclude half the population from these conversations and from these networking events where actual decisions and deals are made, it doesn't fly. And there are so many opportunities for men to get together and do man stuff, you know. So when you take this separately from things like, well, someone else was, you know, giving the example of the men's shed, which is a great Mm. space for men's mental health and many other organisations that are male-focused, those don't necessarily determine the decisions and the outcomes that affect all of us. So why did they get to be the only people in the room? And Mm. it's that, you know, it's that line from Hamilton, I want to be in the room where it happens. It's like I want to be in the room where it happens. Yeah, but I I don't actually want to be in this room. They can have it as far as I'm concerned. They're dinosaurs (laughs) and they're on the way out. And, And I just want to know what it is that they are, aside from power broking, Uh, which I imagine is a very common occurrence, the reason why they're terrified of women, and I think I've come up with a conclusion that it's a place where, like you said, man things. I mean, what is man things? To me, shouldn't really be much different. It should be just human things, but I reckon they're allowed to fart loudly and no one one tells them off and that's why. (laughs) I reckon I genuinely think that's what it is, something along those lines because... Secret men's business, what is it, really? I mean, other than... Stale farts. Yeah, stale farts and <laughs> eating steaks and gross things like that. I mean, it's, you know, 
But yeah, it just, it just, I don't know, it just seems so old and over, doesn't it? And I, I don't agree with it, but I don't know, I don't know too many women who want to be a part of that either. So I think that that's true. I think that the relevance of it will continue to grow. There'll be other people who decide to um, quit these clubs because they're just not keeping up with the times. And, you know, it's that, that thing of being uh, on the wrong side of history and becoming mm. irrelevant yourself if you're part of that, that network. Yeah. You just become embarrassing. And a fact is, looking at all the photos that they have had of the entrance of this Australia club is that Australia is clearly not represented. It's white men. There's no one of yeah. colour in those photos, as far as I can see, and I would suggest that their membership reflects that as well. Again, completely out of step with who, what Australia is and who Australia is at the moment. So yeah, off your trot, pull my finger, have some fun, fellas. See you later. <laughs> there was one woman who broke into the boys' club quite famously in Australian politics, Julie Bishop, and this week she was immortalised as a Barbie. Have you seen the Julie Bishop Barbie? I the have, JBB. I have seen the Julie Bishop Barbie, and look at the likeness is extraordinary. It's got it's her quite good. It's got yeah. her pow- power haircut. She's wearing a power suit, holding a, a a power handbag, I think, or something else. I'm not entirely sure. There was something she was holding. Oh, that's a roller. It's like a, a roller suitcase yeah. because she's you know foreign affairs minister. That's Do you know right. what the actual outfit is? Do you know why it's why she's wearing that outfit? Is that the outfit that she wore the day she resigned? Yeah, the day yeah. she quit politics, so she wore those incredible red shoes, um, a navy Armani dress and coat, and even the diamond e- earrings and brooch that mm. she wore, as well as a, a diplomatic passport and that silver carry-on suitcase. So that and was her I- I'm out of here outfit. Yeah. Hey, boys, you can have your, your pigsty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Pretty much. She's obviously doing fine for herself. She's the Chancellor of ANU. Um, and this is not something you can buy in the shops. It's just a one, like literally one Barbie. Um, but I don't know. I kind of I think that Barbie's one of those controversial toys because people often talk about the, you know, obviously the body shop shape of mm. Barbie, which they have addressed more recently in, in terms of like making it a bit more normal looking, like not these tiny, tiny cinched waists. I never had, when I was growing up, I mean, I never really had Barbies because my parents were very frugal. So um, I didn't collect a lot of Barbies, but I don't remember ever looking at Barbies and feeling shit about myself. I've always been quite fascinated by Barbies. And I think that the, the recent push to particularly have Barbies for little girls, which, you know, the fact is that Little girls do like Barbies, you know. Boys like Barbies. Kids mm. like Barbie. You can't sort of force kids to not like certain things because they're not politically correct necessarily, you know. They'll they'll find their way to them. But I do appreciate that Barbie has tried more to put their their dolls in, you know, roles like science and engineering and not just, you know, Barbie's dream home and Barbie in the kitchen and all those kind of outdated things. It feels like they are making, I mean, they have to make an effort. They have to keep up with it. And I think this is one of those Barbies, even though it's like a one-off that's trying to do that, Mm. that sort of idea of, you know, dreaming what you can be and dreaming to be a foreign minister in Australia, which has been traditionally a male position, is a dream that some women may have. I don't know. Am I getting, am I getting too heavy on Barbie? Is it just No, no, no. I like, I like your Barbie love. I, to be honest, I wouldn't. (laughs) The way I grew up, I had one Barbie. Her, she was kissing Barbie, and I cut her hair. She used to kiss, like <laughs> press a button on her back, and I cut her hair, and she looked terrible. And I never played with her again. But I loved going to other, like my friends' houses, and playing with their Barbies. That was nice. But 
I don't think I'd really want a Barbie after me. Like that's not something I've ever dreamed about or would think is kind of a compliment. In a way to me it's like, oh, I don't know. It just, to me it's still tied up in that whole patriarchy and, and it's just it's just a company that kind of sucks in general. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it's not, not you know, and no dis- disrespect to anyone who loved them and I did, I did, I actually loved them. I wanted the Barbie horse, I really did, um, and, the, and the caravan. And oh, the camper van was the, the best. The camper van was the best. But <laughs> I don't know, I just don't, that's, it's, it's, I guess I never grew up, you know, wanting a wedding. I never grew up with those ideas as if I had to, fulfill them and 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 in a way I guess in that whole Barbie idea never I, I don't know I knew I would never look like a Barbie so I never I wouldn't I don't think I'd want one looking like me yeah no I'm on the same page as you I don't think I ever imagined that and maybe that's not why I tried to aspire to it and didn't get sort of messed up in the head about it mm. who would have thought we'd be talking about Barbies on bang on no that's good we we, we cover all topics <laughs> all the topics <laughs> In good news, Anne, you sent me a rather sobering read. <laughs> it just like really brightened up my week and it, it was actually quite a fascinating New York Times video, which I love, mm. didn't have to read, just watch, uh, about how Facebook has essentially changed our lives in more ways than, than we could ever possibly imagine. It was dark and I, I don't know if I was ready for it at this time, but I, I think it's a very important thing to to wrap your head around. What what were your thoughts on this one? It's really moved you, hasn't it? Yeah, I just I think that we all know how much social media has shifted our way of thinking, viewing ourselves, and our, our value systems. Like we've talked about that before, and bang on. But this is literally drilling it down to Facebook ruining the internet, Mm. not just social media. And it's this great little video, eight minutes long, I'll put it in the show notes, about that day, which was September the 5th, 2006. That was the day that Facebook introduced the news feed. So before that, Facebook was this sort of interactive library of individualised profiles and then they changed it to this customised, algorithmically fluid space, which is how we experience it today. And because they were showing, it was a video, it was great because they showed all these old websites which were, you know, incredibly bad programming. I found that warm and comforting. It was like a... (laughs) Same! It was like a warm blanket when I saw those interfaces. I was like, oh, cute! Just that really like that very kind of late 90s, early noughties, like loud wallpaper, red text on blue backgrounds, really hard to read, all kinds of animated GIFs. We're talking basically GeoCities sites and the like. And in that time, because I had a website in like 1995, because what my was brother it was again? a Zanzu. That's it, Zanzu. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, and it looked like that. It looked like it was a poster from a 90s rave, and then it had kind of animated sort of headings and all kinds of stuff. And it was a community space. I put up like guitar tabs of my favorite bands. I had. Um, you know, I transcribed lyrics of my favourite songs. I put up my writings because um, I was a self-publisher, all that sort of stuff. It was like it was I a space it. for me yeah. and it was a, it was a space which, which became a community and that's what this kind of the internet was like before the news feed. So this idea that users were explorers, 
We organized ourselves into communities and there were blogs and websites and message boards and chat rooms, but we went out there and very actively explored it ourselves. And searched and then, for our, the people who were like-minded. We searched for it. We, we found our communities. Like it was, it was like yeah. finding gold, you know, from a time previously when there was no way. If you were in a small country town, you would never know if there was a fan of, I don't know, um, dogs that look like grug. But you can find them on the internet, <laughs> and that was quite that was quite revelatory, and it was, it was exciting. But but Facebook changed that completely, didn't it? And it was it was a really positive space. Like I remember having a guest book, and I still have it archived. You'll never find it. Some people have found it, but it's in that that guest book is just super supportive. People are excited. Thank you for transcribing these tabs. So interested. Keep on going. Like my website won, you know, best music website in Australia five weeks in a row because there was literally like 10 music websites in the world or something. It was insane. So now, you know, on this day, September 5th, 2006, the newsfeed comes in and instead it's us as consumers sitting down, sitting back and having that journey of the internet projected at us. And at the same time, we're being monitored to tweak that algorithm so that Facebook can do what they do better, i.e. make more money, sell us our data and how we operate um, to companies. And much like every change in Facebook at the time, everyone rallied against it. People say they hated it. But what Facebook noticed was that engagement doubled and that anger that was being fed into this change they could share the anger, ironically, further because of the news feed. And they spent more time on Facebook because they wanted, they were, you know, arguing and getting fired up and it was just sucking them further and further in, which is what we know Facebook is mm. now. The things that really struck me about this video was we kind of went from all looking at the same thing, as in the same information, to each looking at our own dimension. So my Facebook feed is different to your Facebook mm. feed is different to the person down the street's Facebook feed. What? And that landscape, you know, being really different for everyone means that we just feel completely passive. Like it and says in the video, we're, we're islands in a roaring stream of data. It's isolating. It, it means yeah. that the, the, the commonalities and, and, you know, there's a lot to be said about the diversification of the world because of the internet, which is wonderful, but at the same time, I think what, especially if an algorithm is feeding you what what you like, that's very specific to you, and that can be very isolating. And that's why people now seem to struggle with nuance and difference of opinion because we we just get when you get fed all the same shit all the time. It, it's confirmation bias. Yeah, it's. It's absolute confirmation bias and I think that's but probably the, like, really unhealthy. But then it's polar you, opposites as well. Like the people who are opposite are so opposite. Like there's no, there's nothing in between anymore. The other part that, that, that really resonated with me though was like when you were looking at those old websites and you and I are of the same vintage so we both experienced those websites, I just thought to myself when was the last time that I actually just opened up a browser and went to a website and then clicked on a link and then just found myself. You never do that. You look, you experience the internet, which is infinitely larger 20, you know, 30 years after it first was invented, just infinite. But we look at it through the funnels of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, a tiny amount of portals, you know, our favorite news websites, but you think about how much is out there and how we use a tiny amount, probably less, each of us use less than 10, maybe even less than five avenues to explore the internet. 
that discovery is gone and that algorithm does it all. And that blew my mind. I just sort of thought, hang on a second, it's completely curated. Mm. I know I'm so- I know I'm sounding like I'm about to um, do a documentary on conspiracy theories, <laughs> but you do it just you, like you do you. <laughs> I forgot. I just for- I forgot. I forgot about that feeling of exploration. About yeah. literally, like I don't know where this is going to lead. Instead of absolutely that passive feeling of scrolling the feed and letting it wash over you, and just being completely mm. untethered and being a, 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 a passive participant in your own internet experience it's a bloody great video i'll put it in the show notes if only for the web design from the late 90s and early (laughs) noughties do check it out it's amazing and see if you can find zanzu Zanzu. all the best i want to see zanzu (laughs) we've seen it before we've brought it up here on um bang on if i remember rightly and i think someone got a hold of it and we may be able to do that again i think I've got to give a big thank you, I think, to Liza Bangfam, who alerted me to a new type of legging, which has been described but as a kind of bum cleavage legging. Mm. Tell us what's going on with uh, Rihanna's Savage Fenty label. Well, These leggings are, qu- are quite something. <laughs> they are quite something. And I, I've got to say, as I am open to many things in fashion and having recently um, had a, a time of, of trying to get healthy. I'm here for these ones. These are great. You know why? What you can see is you've got the legging and they're, you know, they, they basically are celebrating the ass. Okay. The butt so crack. The top of the crack is exposed <laughs> in all of these. Like we've got a V with some lattice work. We've just got purely a hole, um, which doesn't sound good and probably doesn't look so good in the whole design, I have to say. That's a little confronting. Um, but where the, where the V goes down, just to celebrate the crack, I think that's a good thing because Lord knows it gets hot in there. If you've ever gone done some huffy puffy power walkings in, you know how hot it can get in there. And I, and I see this as a, as a way to, you know, keep things aired out. I, I, I'm here for it except for the whole one. I don't think I can do that. But the, the cleavage, the butt cleavage, yes, yes, fashion, you've won me. Savage Fenty title it an open back legging. <laughs> given, that it's lo- given that it's lingerie, I'm assuming this goes underneath a dress or something, or do you just wear this out and about? Is the butt on display? Like I'm kind of confused about the in situ serving of the um, open back leggings. Yeah, well, I think it's a little bit like if you've got a G, like a Diamante G banger, um, mm. as oh, who was the footy, the footy partner who wore the Diamante G-banger out the back of the dress. See, that's all coming back. So I think you could wear yeah. these pants to show off, <laughs> to show off your other little bits of lingerie if you've got something special. Um, I'm all for it. I, I, I think it's a celebration and, and Lord knows, you know, if everyone's got butt cleavage. Even if you, you know, it doesn't matter what size, so let's celebrate it. Because, you know, some people say, I wish I had boobs and you haven't got any cleavage and other people say cleavage is too big, but everyone's got butt cleavage, so we can all celebrate this. Love it. Looking forward to the brown low this year, (laughs) only in a few months. Emphasis on the brown. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Hey, before we 
Before we get into our bang on this week, um, I need to open up the bang box because once again, it has been overflowing. Thank you so much to everybody who's emailed us. I'm I'm getting back to you. It's been a bit of a busy time, but thank you so much for your beautiful emails. A couple of people pointing out that we were talking about politicians' inabilities to talk about or engage with sport and they should just leave it alone. Um, The South Australian Chief Public Health Officer, Professor Nicholas Spurrier, is a public servant, not a politician. Apologies for that. I think I thought that at the time, but I didn't correct it. That's a correction. That's a bang correction. Uh, Jane emailed in on a Jaffel tip, if you'll be keen on this, one word, on the outside, instead of butter, mayonnaise. I don't get this. What? Mayonnaise on the outside instead of butter? I love butter. Why would you not have butter? Wouldn't you put the mayonnaise (laughs) inside and then you can still have butter on the outside? I mean. Give it a burl. I'll give it a burl. I'll give it a burl. I'm not sure. I just would put the mayo on the inside. I'm not sure about this one, but I'm I'm loving any suggestions, Jaffel suggestions. Thank you. Jaffel review for next week of the mayonnaise on the outside, please. Mm, mm. I had quite a few people um, explaining the confusion around Mayor of Easttown when we did a debrief last week about the missing gun. We got the explanation. It was so long and it was so detailed and so good. I just assume you're right because I couldn't read it anymore. It was too... (laughs) I could not just I could not work out what was going on, but you're right. I was wrong. That's all I'm I'll make to say. it simple for you. The old men no, went no, out no, to the no. shed. Spoilers, spoilers. Just in case. Oh shit. <laughs> you're so good at remembering spoilers. <laughs> yeah. We can't How do I explain that. Well, okay, no, so I can't you say just it. go back to go back to listen to the episode. We did it wrong. And that's all we need to <laughs> that's all we need to say. That's we were wrong. I was okay. wrong, actually. I was wrong. That's it. We can't, Zan. We can't. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no more spoilers. It's a good. You're so much better than I am. Mary just feels like it was three years ago now. Uh, I wanted to give a big thank you to M for your beautiful email. Also to Kate who listens from North Carolina and sent us an epic email. Your story blew us away. It made us cry. Thank you so much for sharing it. And also Jess who wrote a gorgeous email and she said one thing that really stuck out to me um, that I wanted to share with the Bang fam. She said, your show has been my friend when I couldn't visit any, my laughter when I had none, my tears when I felt numb and my solace when I wished the world would just eat me up. Mm. Bang on bang on does make Jess feel better, so there's a happy ending to that story, but um, that was just so beautiful, Jess, and I think that many of us all over the world – um, in Victoria of late, in Melbourne of late, but really everywhere over the last year and a half, uh, feel that. So thank you so much. Thank you for messaging us and thank you to yeah, everyone was... who's been leaving reviews and emailing so us beautiful. in the bang box. Yeah, we love you. Thank you so much. It, it, means, it actually means the world and it has meant a lot to us, particularly over the last few months. So, yeah, yeah. love you all. You're the best, the best. Hopefully we'll get to see you soon um, in the flesh. Wearing Spoiler your bum cleavage. What are you banging on about this week? Um, Look, it's a bit of a lockdown watch. I've just sat through the entire series and actually really enjoyed it. It's the new Stan television series, Eden, uh, and it stars Samuel Johnson, who is fabulous in this one. He's like a dishevelled cop whose career is washed up and um, he's an investigator, but it, you know, it, it, he plays it beautifully, and he's um, he's he's is a gorgeous character. Uh, and but it's basically about beautiful young things who live in a place called Eden, which is Byron Bay, 
it's Byron Bay's, but with drama, with actual written drama, uh, and there's right. a, and there's a murder mystery and all of that. And look, to be honest, I think I, I absolutely watched it and loved it because I've been in lockdown and I can't travel. And watching the beautiful scenes of Byron Bay and and people living mm. another life in in mansions and young people going to parties, having a good time, all for that. And it was just kind of nice. It was a real escapist watch. So murder mystery, escapist. It's had it's had a few ordinary reviews. Some people don't like it, and I've got to admit. I thought a lot of it was filmed way too dark. Like I was watching it in daylight in my house and I was like, I can't see this. It's too dark because, you know, the murder is dark, that kind of thing. It was those sort of metaphors. Um, and, and, you know, the beautiful people live dark lives as well. But, yeah, it was it, – look, it, it was a great escapist watch. So I'm into it. And actually Samuel Johnson is amazing in it. So watch it for that. Okay, on Stan. Do you remember that episode of Game of Thrones that was filmed so dark that people complained and then the director said, well, you should watch it in a cinema? It's like, <laughs> it's TV. <laughs> Just oh, lighten the that. resolution, mate. I love that. Yeah, so t- funny. Turn it up. Turn it up. Switch well, the lights on, mate. I know. Now, what are you banging on about? Ah, uh, well, speaking of the cinema, lockdown lifted, um, restrictions lifted a little bit last weekend. So I took myself off to town and did all the things that I love. I browsed shops. I went out for dinner to a oh, restaurant. How good. And I went to the cinema, which I always love doing. And I am legitimately worried about the future of, of movie theatres. So trying to get as much cinema as I can when I can. And I went and saw Cruella, which you know I've been looking forward to, the brand new Disney film. I guess the origin story of Cruella DeVille stars Emma Stone as Cruella and the wonderful Emma Thompson as the villain in this film. And it is so good. I know that you don't stand Disney stuff, but you've got to see this myth. It's so, so good. The this, this fashion alone oh, is great. incredible. I'm here for that. Um, Emma, Emma Thompson plays the Baroness, who is a Baroness but also a fashion designer, and her designs, or at least the designs that are done for her label, are incredible, so sculptural and beautiful. And then you've got Emma Stone, who's this, you know, Cruella, this wild designer um, who's got true vision and she just gives like a punk edge to, to all of that. And it's set in 1970s London. The soundtrack is just it's like being in the best party or jukebox throughout the whole film and it's just it just propels the story forward like it's one song after the other classic 70s songs excellent rock and roll soul funk everything and you're just kind of rollicking through this story with this amazing soundtrack and some particular songs that are used to such incredible effect i've never imagined Iggy Pop's I Want to Be Your Dog used in the way that it has as just genius, genius. (laughs) Okay. And it's just fun. Like it looks amazing. Bit of escapism. Yeah, it's really great. So um, I know it's been getting good reviews. I saw it over the weekend and I tweeted about it and everyone else who's seen it was tweeting me back and saying they loved it too. It's really fun and great performances, awesome women leading the charge, amazing fashion and incredible soundtrack. What more could you want? Sounds Love good. it. Sounds good. Get back to the cinema. Get back to the cinema. I'll be there again this weekend, I reckon. Just bloody loving it. Yeah. Hey, that's it. We're done. All over. I'll see you IRL next week. Yes. All things All things going well. Um, we yeah. may be able to commune in the same room. All right, babes. Good Reunited to see you. Reunited and it feels so good. Can't wait. Peaches and herb. Oh, no, I found the words too. Ah. <laughs> oh.
reunited because we understood there's one perfect fit and sugar, this one is it. We we both are so excited because we're reunited. Hey, hey. We both are so excited because we're reunited. Hey, hey. So good. New bang on theme song. <laughs> reunited. All right, love you. Take care. <laughs> Take Bye, care. babes. Bye. <laughs> Hang on. Hey, Miff, did you know that there are six seasons of The Pineapple Project? Yeah, I love that podcast. The latest one is hosted by Nazim Hussain. It's called Frugal. It's about making you rich. Well, maybe just a little bit richer. Would you say you're frugal? I wish I was frugal. <laughs> <laughs> what about when it comes to buying clothes? Oh, God, I'm hopeless. Like, I, I, I'm really good for a bit and I've, I've got a capsule wardrobe, but that I'm I'm trying to stick to, but I'm easily swayed. You're not alone. Did you know that Australians throw out 27 kilos of clothing oh. per person a year and then we buy 24 kilos worth of oh, new stuff? God, and I'm contributing <laughs> to that. That's disgusting. Well, one of the recent episodes of The Pineapple Project is about fashion, fashion. and there are heaps of ways... You can look good and save money. I need it in my life. You can find The Pineapple Project on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.